Okay, good morning everyone. Good to see you all. If you've not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you. Please come and grab your seats. Before we get into today and what we're going to look at, I just want to make a quick uh, book recommendation. Men, you've already been given some gifts. I've got some more from you here. I want to recommend a book I read um, a couple of months back. I can't remember how I, it came across my sort of my view, but I, I saw it, I grabbed it, I read it. It's called The Men We Need by Brant Hansen. Um, and it's probably one of the, I say this tentatively, but it's probably one of the best books I've ever read by a man for men. Um, and it's an excellent book. It's about 31 short chapters, so you can do it kind of as a daily thing, or you can read it faster if you will. And he is a brilliant book at just helping men, what it means to be teaching men, what it means to be godly men in the world today. The chapter on what love is and isn't is worth the price of mission just on its own. And so I've got 10 copies of this. His writing style is brilliant. Um, I find him very engaging. He is not a manly man by his own admission, but he is someone who can speak to men and is brilliant. So I've got 10 copies here that I bought for you. If you'd like a copy, come and grab it now. Fantastic. Um, and don't grab any of these books. They're not ours. They're Phil's. You've got to grab these ones that are here. But please grab a copy. If you run out, I can get you on. No idea. Sorry. Fantastic. Matt, if you missed out, I'll order you an extra copy. If there's, oh, there is one spare. Look at that. All done. Fantastic. All right, if you've got a Bible, can you go to Matthew 1, please? Matthew chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a moment. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking at that particularly. I don't know if you like stories. I love stories. I like reading stories. I like watching stories kind of in TV and movies. I love when my boys were small. I loved reading them stories. And one of the fav my most favorite story that I used to read to them was this one. It's called The Very Cranky Bear, which I love. I, I read it to them over and over again because I thought it was a fantastic story. It's a story of, well, a very cranky bear who's desperate for sleep and about a thoughtful sheep who helps him out. And I thought this was fantastic. And um, I've been typecast. My boys say that I am the cranky bear. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh. And anyone who knows me knows that there is no way on earth I could ever be considered like that. But that's one of my favorite, that's one of the favorite, my most favorite books I read to my boys when they were young, very cranky bear. But one of my most favorite stories, the one that I've engaged with the most over the years, is, of course, the Star Wars story. I have loved that since I was young, when I engaged with it, and I watched the movies for the first time, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, we won't talk about the sequels, just between us. We won't. I'm going back to the originals. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the toys and the games and everything that came with it. But what I enjoyed most was trying to put myself into the story. I wanted to be in the story. I wanted to kind of be part of it. I wanted to fight the Empire because they were the baddie and Darth Vader was the big villain. He was the one that we had to kind of deal with and that. And so when you put yourself in the story... Like the cranky bear in that story, I put myself in the Star Wars story. And who do you put yourself in with the story? There's only one character you put yourself in, in the Star Wars story, and that's Han Solo. Han Solo was the character for me. He's the one I loved. He's the one I thought, if I want to be in that story, I want to be Han Solo. I mean, Jedi are cool. They have lightsabers, but, you know, spooky Lukey, you're a bit like, eh. 
No, don't want to be that. I want to be Han Solo. Why? Number one, because he's snarky and scruffy looking. Where did you dig up that old fossil? Ben's a great man. Yeah, great at getting us into trouble. Thinking, yep, I can get behind Han Solo. He has a best friend, doesn't he? Chewy. Who doesn't want a best friend like Chewy? Who can be there, who's got your back, who's always with you. And of course, third and finally, Princess Leia. So Han Solo was my hero. He's the one I looked to. He's the one I thought, yes, if I'm in that story, I want to be him. I want to be part of the big epic. And what we're going to look at today is the greatest epic of all, the biggest story. How do we play our part in that story? God's sovereign story that spans eternity. How do we play our part in that? And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at one ordinary man's role in that story and how he played his part in God's story and how he was used powerfully by the Lord to advance his kingdom, advance his purposes. He was how he was part of the greatest story ever told. And so do we have our Bibles? Do we have them open? Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. We're going to read it together. And I want to hear you, men. Nice deep voices. We're going to read the Word of God together, and it should appear on the screen behind me. And so we're going to do a one, two, three, and then we're going to read it together. There are three slides, okay? So ready? One, two, three, go. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. All right, big idea for today. Being in God's story requires obedience and faith. Being in God's story requires obedience and faith. I'm in my own personal times now. I'm reading through the Gospel of Matthew. I'm on about chapter 10 now. But when I started reading this, I felt God speak to me about this passage. I was just going through it. It's right beginning of the Gospel. I was just doing it in my daily readings, taking notes, writing in my journal. And I felt God speak to me about this for us today on Father's Day. So this was several months back. And the interesting thing about this particular part of Matthew. It's a familiar story. If you're familiar, it usually comes up at Christmas. We tell it in the Christmas story, and it's accounted in Matthew, and it's also accounted in Luke's gospel. But the difference between Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel is Luke's gospel writes it from Mary's perspective. 
Matthew's gospel writes it from Joseph's perspective. And I felt the Lord speak to me about it, so I thought I want to preach this on Father's Day. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through the passage, and then we're going to look at a few things to kind of apply, bring out to us, and then we'll finish and worship together. So first thing, we go through the passage. The problem, verse 18. The passage begins with like a subheading. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. So Matthew is introducing the topic that he's going to talk about, that it's about the birth of Jesus. If you notice, the passage begins and ends with the same person, Jesus. Go to verse 25, ends with Jesus. It's all about Jesus is what Matthew is talking about. And then he gets into the story. The narrative begins. We don't know much, anything about uh, Mary and Joseph's background. Maybe Matthew assumes that his readers just know who they are. But he says one piece of information about them, and that is they are betrothed. Now, betrothal is like our modern-day engagement, only much more, much more. What would happen in a betrothal at the time? It was a firm commitment between two people, the man and the woman, and their families that a marriage would take place, usually a year ahead And in that interim period between the the betrothal announcement and the marriage taking place, the woman would stay with her family, uh, the man would stay with his family, but they would build towards something, which was the wedding and the subsequent marriage, which would come within a year's time. And so there was a strong commitment. So I say it's like our engagement, but it's much more than that. It had much stronger implications. Although it wasn't a formal marriage as such, if you wanted to break it, it actually required a divorce, which you can see in the next verse when Joseph says he wants to divorce her. So it's much more than what we would say as an engagement. So they, they would decide they were betrothed to each other. So this is what's going to happen. Mary and Joseph are going to get married at some point in the future. The families are agreed. They're agreed. All the arrangements are being put in place. But what happens? It says before they came together, that's just a polite way of saying they hadn't had sex with each other. Before they had come together, Mary is found to be with child. So you can understand the problem this is for everybody. Mary's suddenly pregnant. Joseph's like going, I know I didn't do that, without getting too technical. There's the two families are like, oh crumbs, this has happened How do we deal with this? Because there is a betrothal happening. And Mary's pregnant. And Joseph's saying, well, it definitely wasn't me. And we also know that if we go back into our law, if this happened, Mary, under Old Testament law, the law of Israel at the time, would have been punished as an adulteress. Even though you say, well, they're not married. But that's how strong the betrothal was. And there's clear guidance in Deuteronomy 22 about this. And so we've got this really drastic situation happening. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? Because the consequences are dire for everybody involved, Mary, Joseph, and their respective families. But then Matthew just puts in this line at the end that we know about, and with over-familiarity with the story we can just jump ahead to, we know that the child was from the Holy Spirit. So this isn't a normal pregnancy, as we would understand it. Something different is going on here. And Matthew wants to put that up front. So we're going to let me elaborate this. 
Matthew's saying. So we've got the problem from Joseph's point of view. My wife is pregnant and it wasn't me. So how does he react? Verse 19, the reaction from him. It describes, Joseph is described as a just man. So that means as someone who's careful in observing the law, and the law was clear, Deuteronomy 22. But what we find is Joseph did not want to be harsh with Mary. From Joseph's point of view, Mary did the worst thing she could have done to him in their betrothal. That's the worst possible outcome for Joseph. My wife's pregnant and it wasn't me. That's what it is. But it says he was unwilling to put her to shame. Despite, from Joseph's point of view, this terrible act of betrayal, he would have felt angry, he would have felt humiliated, betrayed. He was within his right to kind of like go off on her, you could say. No one would uh, blame him. He could seek to get even, revenge, shame her on social media, call her all sorts of unpleasant names. If this was a soap opera, he could have taken that moment at Christmas dinner in the Vic to expose her in front of everyone. And most people would think, fair play to you, she did the dirty on you. And from the point of view of Joseph, that's where he was. Yet, he was unwilling to put her to shame. Joseph, the just man, showed mercy. He showed restraint. He showed compassion. He showed grace to the one who had wounded him. He did not seek revenge. He did not seek humiliation, which within his kind of legal rights, he could have done something about, but he chose not to do that. James 2, chapter 13 says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. And Joseph lived that out literally with his wife, Mary. And it says his, 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 what he wanted to do, he didn't want to put to a shame, so he said he would divorce her because what she'd done was wrong, but he said he'll do it quietly. He's not going to make a massive thing about this. It said he would do it quietly. And so then we move on to the next bit, the intervention. So from Joseph's point of view, he's got his girl, they're betrothed, they're going to get married, and then he finds out this piece of information, she's now pregnant. He says, well, we'll just end this. We'll end this. And then it says... But as he considered these things, let's look overlook that. As he considered these things, which means he meditated on them, he reflected deeply on them. This was an emotional situation for him, and he pauses and thinks. He does not fly off the handle, does not lose it, does not just blast her. It says he considers these things. It says, then an angel, behold, and that's the translator's way of trying to make the word work, but there was a suddenly, dun, 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 something intervenes into the story, and it is an angel of the Lord, a messenger of the King of Heaven. The sovereign God is coming to speak to Joseph in a dream while he's asleep. It says, and he says, Joseph, so address him by name. The God of Heaven knows you by name. He knows what's going on in your life. Son of David, 
which is the same expression used for Jesus earlier in Matthew and will become part of his line as we'll see as we work out. Joseph was from the line of kings, David being the greatest king of Israel, killed Goliath, a bunch of other stuff. He's from that line. And he says to him, don't be afraid, which is the language there is do not shrink from doing what is right. Stand tall. Put your big boy pants on. Something big is coming into your life. And he said, the angel says to him, you are to take Mary into your home as your wife, which is the absolute opposite of what Joseph intended to do. I'm going to divorce her. I'm just going to close that chapter, move on. And the angel says to him, no, what you're to do is to bring her into your home as your wife. And if I was there, I'd be asleep. But, you know, if I was there, it'd be like, why? You know what she's done. But then um, the angel reveals something to him that he wasn't aware of. We as the readers are aware of it and we're familiar with the story. But for Joseph, this would have been new. For that which is, is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is going on with Mary is of divine origin. This is beyond human actions, beyond human activity, something greater and bigger is going on with her. And Joseph could only understand that because of the revelation of God, because the angel had come and spoken to him, and he reveals something about this supernatural pregnancy. It would be a son. You're going to have a boy. You are to name him Jesus. And by Joseph naming the son, when you name the child, that's you, you are adopting them into your family. You're recognizing them as your own. I've had two sons, and I've named them because they are mine. And so by Joseph naming Jesus, that's what's, what's going to happen there. You're going to take this child, which actually isn't yours, but you're going to bring them into your home, and you're going to name him Jesus, bring him into the line of David, which all has great implications um, in the past and in the future there. And it says, what will this child do? It says, he will save his people from their sins. So he's come to save, to deliver from trouble. That's what Jesus will do. He's going to save his people. That's God's people. God's people. So he's come to save his people. The one from God has come to save his people from their sins, which is man's greatest problem. What separates man from God is their sin and rebellion, and this one who's going to come is going to save it. Jesus is going to be born into the line of kings as the king of kings, and he is going to be the savior of his people. And Joseph is being asked here to step into God's story. He is to raise another man's child. He is to raise God's child as his own and play his part in the story. And this is to the fulfillment of prophecy that the angel then outlines to him. And Matthew wants us to understand this, is, is to fulfill that what is happening is not just some interjection into life, oh, I never saw that coming. It's something that's been prophesied and promised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And he quotes uh, Isaiah, um, Isaiah 7:14, and says, actually, what's happening now with this birth of this child is the fulfillment of prophecies spoken by the Lord. He said, this will fulfill all that the Lord has spoken, referring back to Isaiah's one prophet, but many prophets and many bits of our Old Testament that point forward to the coming of Jesus. And the, the quotation from Isaiah says, again, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And let's just pause for a moment here and underline this so we are clear. We are talking about a virgin birth. 
This is a vital and key doctrine of the Christian faith. This isn't an extra that you get to, well, I'm not sure. No. Mary was a virgin, and the risk of being crude, she hadn't had sex with anybody, and she was pregnant. The answer was that she was, what was in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the reason this is so important, because it underpins so much else we believe as Christians. It underpins the doctrine of Christ and what we believe about him. That when the Bible said he was both fully God and fully man, the reason that is true is because he was born of a woman by the power of the Holy Spirit. Two things that happened to happen there. All of us born of women, but actually someone else was involved as well. Jesus was born of a woman, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, which means he is both fully man and fully God, which means he is fully qualified to represent God to man and man to God, both ways. He is fully qualified to be that perfect high priest, the priest who won, who went and represented the people of God to God in the temple, but he also had to make a sacrifice for his own sin we saw in the book of Leviticus when we went through that. But actually, Jesus is the perfect one because he doesn't have to offer any sacrifice for his sin because he's perfect. He's also the perfect sacrifice, fully qualified, because he lived a perfect life on the earth as someone fully human. We're going through the book of Mark now, our regular preaching time, and we're seeing this is who he is. This is who Jesus is. And if we deny that, our faith falls apart. And then Matthew then goes on to say, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which just means God with us. So that's a, a more of a description rather than an actual name for Jesus. He is God with us. And he puts a little caveat in there for his non Jewish readers who would have been like, what does that mean? It means God with us. God himself has come to dwell on earth with his people. And that is Jesus Christ, who is the one who kind of is the fulfillment of that. And then finally, we go to the last section is the response. So Joseph, can you, can you feel for this man? who would You would think there's an exciting time. I'm getting married. I've been there. There's an excitement that builds. And then you find out that your wife, your future wife, one you've told, has done kind of the dirty on you, and you're like, this is just the worst thing of my life. You go to bed, all sorts of things going in your head, and suddenly the angel of the Lord comes and said, Joseph, let me drop some truth bombs on you. You want me to do what? Raise who? Are you kidding me? He's the fulfillment of the what? The guy that said, the prophet, what? Really? What does it say? Verse 24. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I think of all the, all the guys in Scripture who've kind of been asked to do something, I think Joseph has got a pretty good case for saying, do you know what, that's just a bit too much for me. You know, that's just, you want me to do what? But it says Joseph did what the angel commanded in response to what the angel said he did everything and here's the fascinating thing about his obedience his obedience wasn't just a one-off thing he was committing to raise a child who wasn't his who was a fulfillment of the prophecy for the rest of his life he, his, his his obedience wasn't just oh i'll be there for the birth and i'll i'll, I'll make sure he's called jesus he was then committing to raise this child invest in him teach him, feed him, provide for him. And so Joseph's obedience had huge implications for him. 
It wasn't just like a one-off, oh, I'll do that for you, I'll do that job. No, no, it, it had so much more to him. And Joseph, it just says, he did what the angel commanded. He just obeyed. It says he took Mary as his wife, so the betrothal would have then ended in the marriage ceremony. But it also said he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. So that, again, a nice polite way of saying they didn't have sexual relationship until the birth of Christ. So for me, that's probably one of the hardest things. Yeah, you got married, but you can't, you got married, but you can't touch her. Are you serious? Why do you think we men get married? Do you know? It's like, yeah, you can marry her, but you can't touch her. Not for nine months, you know, MC Hammer, you know. Don't touch this, you know. But he did it. He persevered. He did it, and he obeyed her. And then it says, when the child was born, he called his name Jesus. He followed God to the letter. He adopted Jesus into his family. He became his, became his son, and he gave him the name. Jesus then becomes part of the line of David, of kings, which is also a fulfillment of prophecy as well. And so that is just a little character study of our man Joseph on Father's Day. So what can we learn from this, church? What can we take from this? Well, there's a few things I want to just go through and challenge us on. It's time to grow up in our faith. It's what we've been looking at particularly this year. It's time to join his story and do what all we can in that. So there's three things. The first one, Joseph was just an ordinary man. He was just an ordinary guy living his life. He comes on the scene with no fanfare, no great description of his deeds and things he's done. We find out later, Matthew 13, he's a carpenter, which would have probably been, you know, like working on a building site, building the timber and stuff that goes into houses. So he was a manual worker, worked with his hands. He would have had bosses and clients to work with and jobs to fulfill and pressure for that. He then knows he works out he's going to marry his girl. And the reality for us is life can just be very ordinary sometimes. Life can be very ordinary to live. Home life, work life, friends, schools, exams, church. You're just kind of going through life doing the things. And it can be a bit ordinary. And we live in kind of um, conflict with our culture particularly that is fueled by social media and the like and influence, where everything's got to be amazing. Everything's got to be awesome. Everything's got to be the absolute best that you've ever done. If you don't have a meal and you can't take a photo of it and put it on your Insta, this is the most awesome meal ever. You feel like, am I really living the life God wants me to live? The coach says, it's all about me. Aren't I wonderful? But what we learn from here is Joseph is just an ordinary guy. The only wonderful person in the story is Jesus. He's the wonderful one. He's the one that we celebrate. He's the one that we look to. And we need to live a life where we get that in order. Because when we get that in order, then we can join God's story and he can do extraordinary things through us. What Joseph did, he was just an ordinary guy but he did an extraordinary thing when he recognized who was God, who was speaking, he obeyed him, and then his life is now remembered forever in God's word. Just a guy working on a building site. But because he recognized who was in charge, 
who was calling the shots, who was the extraordinary one, his ordinary life is utterly transformed. And he gets to walk in God's story and see incredible things come. He gets to name the Son of God. He gets to raise the Son of God. He gets to be part of that. He gets to live that out with his wife and in their family. But he started as just an ordinary guy responding to an extraordinary God. Second thing, Joseph chose mercy in a painful situation. Joseph faced possibly one of the most difficult and painful situations a guy could face. His wife cheating on him from his perspective. Yet in that, he didn't choose revenge. He chose mercy. Despite Mary's, I'll put that inverted commas, sin, Joseph chose not to humiliate her, not to shame her. He covered her sin. How very godly of him. Immaturity acts loudly. Immaturity throws tantrums. A teenage strop. Our teenagers in here, I bet you've never done that. Slam the door on the way out. Adults still do it as well. Doesn't change. Maturity is much quieter. Maturity is considered and thoughtful. Maturity in Christ chooses mercy. And we see immaturity all around us. We see people reacting. We see it's almost a national pastime now on social media. How outraged can you be? (laughs) How badly can you react? We see it in our homes. We see it in our families. We see it in our workplaces. We see it in the church. People just drop out if something doesn't go their way or don't get what they want or they're offended or whatever. But actually, Joseph was a man who showed mercy. And so I just want to challenge us all today is where do you need to show mercy? To whom do you need to show mercy? And I think just if we go backwards before we go forwards here, let's get the order correct. Otherwise, there's a danger of legalism here. If you are going to be someone who is to show mercy, you have first have to have received mercy. The Lord's Prayer says we are, it says, Father who art in heaven, forgive us our sins as we then forgive others. And so there is a dynamic here that actually if we're going to be men, women who show mercy to others, we too have to receive mercy ourselves which means we have to be humble. We have to recognize that we are men and women in need of mercy. I wonder what was going on in Joseph's head when he was making his decisions about Mary before the angel came. Was he aware of his sins and his failings and his flaws? And so when he looked at her and her flaws, apparent flaws he could see, he chose mercy because he recognized how much he had had when he had gone to the temple in Jerusalem, had to do the sacrifices, recognized how much he needed mercy. And so I want to ask you a kind of supplementary question on that. When was the last time you specifically confessed your sins to God? Not generally, forgive us our sins, specifically. I did this, I said this, I thought this. When was the last time you confessed your sins to a close friend? 
your spouse, your children, and ask for their forgiveness. It's a process I'm actually going on now. I've already told you I'm going through the steps course, realizing that I judge myself without mercy and working on that. And part of the outworking application is making amends with people that you've hurt. And so I've had to sit down with my wife and I've had to sit down with my children and confess my sins to them and ask for them to forgive me, to show me mercy. And it even happened a couple of weeks back, there was an incident, I was out with the boys being mega dad and they both did stuff. So (laughs) I lost it with them. I just was so cross with them, the way they behaved. And when we got back in the house, there was door slamming from me. Never taking them out again. It was a Mel's like, how did it go? It was a disaster. It was the worst time ever. There could be a charge of me overreacting somewhat in that situation. But I had to get to a point where I had to sit my boys down and say, I am sorry for how I reacted. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And what I'm learning about myself is the more I am willing to receive mercy, the more I can show mercy to others. And it has to go that way around. And I am not there by any standard. And for us to enter God's story, us to if we look at Joseph, he showed mercy and mercy led to him being part of the story. And we need to be men and women who can receive mercy, but also then to show it to others. And I think we need to start with ourselves before we can then show it on to others as we do this. And then the final one, Joseph obeyed when God spoke. In response to what the word of the Lord that came to Joseph, it just says he did everything that the angel commanded. Life-changing decision raising someone else's child. The implications of huge, the words, the talking, the gossip in the village. Everyone would have known, because we read later in the Gospels, people are questioning parentage. He'd have known what was coming, yet he still said yes. And so the challenge is, today, what is God saying to you? What is the Lord saying to you? Is it to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in him? That's kind of where it begins, to receive his grace and his mercy. Is it to respond then in baptism? So I'm going to get baptized, because that's how we respond as Christians. Is it something specifically he's asking you to do right now, get involved in? Is there a particular sin that you need to repent of? Is there someone you need to go and talk to and confess your sin to them? and ask for their forgiveness? Is it in the area of finances and giving faithfully to his work, his kingdom, throughout the world? Recognizing that's not yours, that's his. What is it? Is it the 20 seconds of insane courage we talked about where there's a situation comes out and you just say, yes, I'm going to walk into this and I'm going to respond to that? Because simply put, obedience, faithful obedience gets you into God's story. Because Joseph is now an integral part of God's story. You cannot tell the story without Joseph because he responded with faithful obedience. And for us today, I want to challenge us. It's time to be in God's story. It's time to respond. It's time to do that. And as we land, one final thing, just to make sure we're looking at the right place. Jesus is a better Joseph. Jesus is a better Joseph.
Joseph has got lots to teach us, lots that we can learn from, but Jesus has, is a better Joseph. He is the king of heaven, creator of the universe, who came to earth and lived a very ordinary life for the first 30 years at least. That's most of his life. He was a carpenter like his daddy. He worked on building sites. He was at home doing home chores as well, being raised by his mummy and daddy, and later he had brothers and sisters, it says. He lived a very ordinary life. He knows what it's like. He also showed mercy and compassion to those who sinned and were broken. Even on the cross when he was dying, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus is the one person who didn't have to do that because he hadn't committed any sins. He, he was righteous and perfect. Yet he showed compassion and mercy to those who were sinful and broken. And we also know Jesus was obedient to his Father's will to the point of death, even death on a cross. He responded with obedience, perfect, complete obedience throughout his life. And as we look to Jesus now, we're going to worship band. Do you want to just come up and get yourself ready? We're going to sing. We're going to hear what God might say to us today. I want us to be lifted up, putting our eyes on him first and foremost, but actually being reminded of Joseph and what he did to be part of God's story. Because we all find ourselves in the same place. God will ask us. God will speak to us. God will put us in positions where we get to show grace and mercy to others. God will take our ordinary, everyday lives, just things we're doing, the regular stuff, clocking into work, getting the kids to school, doing the homework, whatever it is. And he will take that with a faithful obedience and use it in an extraordinary way for his kingdom. Which I don't know about you, but I would like that in my life to be transformed by his power and his spirit in me. Amen? Amen. Do you want to stand up? I would love to pray for you. And then I'm going to hand over to the band. And we're going to sing. Maybe you want to just close your eyes, open your hands. I trust that the Holy Spirit of God is just doing a work in your hearts even now. He's prompted things, put his hand on things. And I want to say to you, whatever it is, respond in faith and obedience now. I, I don't know what it is. It'll be different. The hundred people here, there'll be a hundred different things. But whatever it is, why don't you make a moment now and say, God, I will respond to that, whatever it is. Make a commitment now to be like Joseph he does everything the Lord commanded him. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We praise you today. We thank you that you came to earth to save your people from their sins. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are recipients of that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Joseph and just an ordinary guy who got caught up in an extraordinary story. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for his obedience, his faith, his merciful heart. Lord God, we pray you shape us, that we learn from him, that we become more like you through this process, that we would be men and women who respond in obedience and faith to you, that show mercy and grace to others as we receive it for ourselves, and we live lives that honor and glorify your name for your kingdom purposes. And God's people said, 